You want to learn about juggling? Brittany Barron's a corporate attorney for First National Bank of Omaha. She knows how to juggle and juggle very successfully. She's also co-owner of Nebraska Juniors, one of the premier volleyball youth organizations in the state of Nebraska. And she is a co-owner of the Lighthouse Boutique in downtown Ashland, Nebraska, a very charming place you're going to love. How does she do it all? Well, you're going to hear the advice that she will give to entrepreneurs who are in a full-time job, but they want some other opportunities to be an entrepreneur outside of that. She'll walk you through that. She also is going to give some great advice on how to communicate to kids today. Uh, As part of the volleyball program, of course, she's surrounded by youth. How do you connect and how do you deliver constructive criticism, not just to the youth of today, but also to employees? And lastly, she's got a saying, figure bleep out. You'll hear all about how that helps her juggle these three entities. She's amazing, Brittany Behrens. Cannot wait for you to hear the show. And of course, great thanks to Grace Dunbar, our producer, who helps brings it to you. Leadership lesson from Mayberry, right here. Well, I'll tell you, I've got my work cut out today because I'm sitting here with Brittany Behrens, who does a little bit of everything, but she does everything exceptionally well. This is going to be a ton of fun today, but we got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, we do. Corporate attorney for First National Bank, also co-founder, co-owner of Nebraska Junior Volleyball Program, one of the preeminent programs in the state. And then you've got a boutique that is setting the world on fire in Little Ashland, Nebraska. So we'll talk about that. But before we do, Brittany, this is how we get going. And this is where the work begins. We start with your Mayberry. Okay. And your Mayberry, there's a lot of pins on that Google map, aren't there? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So my Mayberry is definitely just straight North Dakota. Um, That's where I grew up. That's still home. Can hear the Um, accent a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. (laughs) I I have a lot of oofdas in in my vocabulary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so that still is kind of like just my true north. Um, I think there's just a lot of wonderful things about like the peace and kind of like just the slow, calm life. So I think that that is, is a lot of kind of just who I am. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this. Your parents were coaches, yeah. but they were, your, your father was an administrator. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that led you to a lot of different communities. You said, Tim, <laughs> it's hard for me to pinpoint yeah. one because He'd get a principal job, administrative job, right? Move around. I'm always curious, how does that, how did, how did you react to that? I mean, there had to be some great highs to that, but then learning to acclimate every three, four years, brand new, you know, Mm -hmm. sets of friends. What was that like? The good and the bad? Yeah, the good and the bad. Um, I think our parents always told us, right? Like this is just an opportunity to meet new people and, um, you know, find new opportunities and create new experiences. So I think like they set the stage for it to be always um, kind of finding the positive in it. And I have a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life. Um, I remember when Chase and I, my husband and I got married, my mom was like, do we have to invite everybody? And I was like, mom, <laughs> we've lived in a million places. So the biggest wedding yeah. in Nebraska, was yeah, it in Nebraska it was, or was it up was, in North Dakota? It was in, it was in yeah. Lincoln. Um, yeah, but I mean, we, it was over 600 people like, but it was people from North Dakota, from Nebraska, from um, Wyoming, Colorado that I've done camps traveling all over the country. So it was people from all over. Yeah. You know, you were just 30 miles from the Canadian border at mm-hmm. one point living up there for a yeah. few years. The winters had to be even more harsh, but 
Talk to me about what that allowed you to do as a kid. I want to hear what it was like in the winter times. Normally I say, give me a July <laughs> night. What was that like? I want to know what it was like 30 miles from the Canadian border in the dead of winter. What did you do to stay busy? <laughs> it was cold, but it's all relative, right? Um, right. You, you get used to it. So it doesn't really feel cold. You're used to 20 below up there. You bundle up and you take the snowmobiles out and you sled and you sled off your roofs because the snow is so high. Um, Because it never melts because it never warms up. So, yeah, we spend a lot of time outside. um, But definitely, yeah, doing fun stuff. But you told me you were a gym rat. Yeah, you're going outside. Also a gym rat, yeah. Did it make you tougher? Uh, Did it make you tougher? For sure. I mean, North Dakota, like, you just have to find stuff to do, right? Like, it's not a super populous state. It's not crazy busy. It's not, there are no thriving metropolises, but yeah, you just find stuff to do. I mean, we ice skated, we did all the things like we were, and we were in the gym a lot, right? Just simply because my parents were coaches. Yeah. You told me a great story one time. You said you helped the basketball team get a lot better because you were one of these little tykes that was in the gym, a gym rat at a young mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. And when your parents were having their players run lines yeah. in basketball, mm-hmm you would get on the shoulders of these players and they would carry you up and down to run lines to make it a little more challenging. So I got to hear about that. Yeah, I was a basketball kid. Um, My dad was the boys basketball coach um, in the town that we were all born and raised in. And I spent every after school day in the gym and for as long as I can remember. And yeah, those those boys, they ran all their lines with me on their shoulders. I took (laughs) a lot of naps in the bleachers, right? I mean, like we just, I... I still love popcorn and hot dogs and concession stands make me happy. <laughs> I know that smell, yeah. right? When it, when it starts to waft through yeah. the gym, it's like, oh man, mm-hmm. the popcorn is, it just yeah. sets the scene for <laughs> it an, an event. But when you look back at those days mm-hmm. and you think about, you know, all the time you had, had there been video games like there are today, do you think, you know, you and your family, would you have been surrounded or would you always have found a way to get outside and just stay active? Why is that? What, what, why were you so um, active? Yeah. So, I mean, I think my family is all kind of, I just grew up with like just doers, right? Mm-hmm. My grandma taught my mom to golf. My mom taught me to golf. My mom taught my dad to golf, right? Like we just are, are doers. And so, um, same thing with my kids. Like if they have free time, like they want to go play catch, they want somebody to rebound for them. Like it's, kind of just all we know yeah. is being in the gym, running around, go, go, go. Yeah. And and one of the things you shared with me too, even today, mm-hmm. your kids are with you, whether it's at the boutique, mm-hmm. doing some stuff around there, whether it's at Nebraska Juniors, in the gym. I mean, you make sure they're involved with what yeah. you do today. And again, I, I've got to imagine that's just a pull from what you knew growing up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We just, we always went to all of the home games, away games. We spent a lot of time on the bus. Um, yeah, so it's no different, right? Like my daughter knows how to pack a, an activity bag and you know she brings her jump rope in her backpack and she can go find a corner in the gym or go pass against the wall. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, again, all, all we know. Yeah, so here you are today. You've, you've got your hands in three, you, know, you work in corporate America. You've got your hand in, in a couple of other businesses. Was there ever a point growing up in North Dakota or after you moved to Beatrice, which is where you graduated from high school, what set you on fire when it came to business? What Mm -hmm. set you on fire? Was there something back in the day? Did it click then? Did it come later? Um, I mean, I had a really, really great um, business teacher in high school, um, Mr. Langford. He was wonderful. And Mm. so like that was kind of the spark. My dad, when he taught before he went into administration, was a business teacher. So like accounting, finance, econ, kind of just business entrepreneur stuff was kind of always in my blood. 
Um, and I took some great business law classes in high school. So that's what led me down the path of law school. But I went with the intention of um, being in college athletic administration. Like that's what I wanted to do is be a college AD or, you know, work in a, um, in a NCAA kind of compliance department. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the plan. Um, it just so happened that when I graduated law school with a little bit of debt, um, I had a pretty good actual lawyer opportunity. And so I, I went into practice right away. And yes, sometimes you just kind of, you keep trudging ahead. Right. So you go into law, but mm -hmm. there's still that burning desire. Yeah. It sounds like to do something on an entrepreneurial front. Yep. So what was that? What, what, what was that itch that you had to scratch <sighs> that you said, Hey, I've got to chase this a little bit. Yeah. So it's, it, it was is, it more business and I'm going to interrupt. Was oh, it no. a business or was it more about service? Um, Ooh, uh, a little bit of both. Right. So I think that most of my kind of business desire came probably from the club volleyball side and seeing kind of the business side of that. Um, but philosophically we're a nonprofit and we are a really a peer service organization. Like most of our coaches are high school teachers and high school coaches. And we do it because we love the game and we love to teach kids. But there's pieces of right of, of that that are just still big business, right? Um, youth sports is a, a huge business. Um, and so that kind of fills that bucket. And then the apparel side um, and the boutique, what actually kind of started that was um, I started carrying a lot of apparel with me when I traveled around the country doing volleyball camps. Um, and again, like filled the need and saw that that was something in Ashland that there was just kind of a, an, an open space. And I thought that maybe, you know, we could fill that need there. And the women's clothing side of it and the athletic apparel are both things that kind of spun out of prior volleyball experiences, really. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm going to break it down for everyone mm -hmm. to make sure that Ooh. everyone's got it yeah. straight. This is good. <laughs> You get your degree in law, mm -hmm. you start out, and, and your first couple of positions, um, you know, you're working for county entities, mm -hmm. state entities, right? Yeah. Yep. But then you move into a corporate position. So let's start there, because yeah. I want to kind of weave that in sure. to then getting your hands involved with youth sports at the highest level mm -hmm. and then this boutique. So let's start with First National. Yeah. Why the transition into mm -hmm. corporate versus what you were doing prior to that? Um, I have always been kind of searching for an environment where everybody is highly motivated, um, self-motivated, self-starters, and um, right, and there's right some some reward for for said hard work. Yeah. So corporate America at the time kind of fit that bill, but also was a place that is privately owned, um, great family history mm. in Omaha, um, really big service organization, and a flexible workplace. Um, so I wanted. Work-life balance, I think, is a, a hard term, but I wanted the ability to kind of do all the things. Um, and First National is the place that that is um, that it's encouraged. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what what landed me there was it was a perfect opportunity at the time. Yeah, and you know, you you don't just um, you know you don't ever do anything halfway. You go yeah. to one of the <laughs> best and most preeminent banks right in the state. Mm -hmm. So you had, I mean, you, you sought that out or was that something, was that intentional on your end? 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's a very well-known organization, and um, the work that they were looking for at the time, the opening, was um, fit squarely with kind of my skill set from my prior job. They were looking for somebody to kind of manage their employment law and their corporate contracts um, division, and that's that was my bucket of work before for um, the county. And so it was just kind of taking the experience that I had and shifting it into a a very different workplace with a very different workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was good. It was a good a, a challenge, um, but a different type of challenge than than I had at the county. But yeah. very similar work. I think. What stands out about this interview when you and I talked is there are so many people out there that are working in their job, right? Doing a great job with their job, but they, they want, they want something else too, right? Mm -hmm. They, they want to, they want to get involved with a hobby, a passion. Mm -hmm. So when did Nebraska juniors, this is going to be about how, how that entrepreneur manages all of that, the stuff on the side, the things that are very important and passionate you're about. But how you how you obviously balance it all. So right. when did the idea of Nebraska Juniors kind of start bouncing around your head? And did you form that from the ground up? Nope, I didn't. So Nebraska Juniors has been around for um, about 30 years. Um, it was started by um, Jake Moore, right? A, a legendary, pious, now Omaha Marion um, high school volleyball coach and kind of just bootstrapped it with a bunch of other coach friends, high school coach friends. And then Gwen Egbert, right? Another Nebraska volleyball legend, um, took it over probably I'd say 10 years in and kind of ran it as a sole prop for a number of years with the same staff. Um, and then I came on staff. So I, I played for Nebraska juniors while I was in high school. And then I came on staff my senior year of college And so this year is my 16th year with Nebraska Juniors. And it was about in 2017 that we kind of as an organization, our entire staff decided that we needed to kind of take things more from a board mentality and um, kind of bring all of our coaches to the table instead of. And so we re we reformed um, from a legal perspective um, the organization and set up a nonprofit and. Um, so yeah, I worked through the legal work for for us to do that, and we have a nine member board. It is coaches that have been with Nebraska Juniors for years. Jake's still on the board. Gwen's still on the board. Right, some of your most um, prominent Nebraska coaches. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, um, we were looking kind of just for a, a director, and um, I I was hoping we could find somebody else so that <laughs> <laughs> so that I could just continue coaching and helping run the youth side of Nebraska juniors, but that, that didn't come to fruition. So they pulled you in. Yeah, didn't they? So here yeah. I am. They yeah. saw talent. Here's the deal. Yeah. What a lot of people may not know, um, except those that, that have known you for many, many years, you had an opportunity and went to Creighton to play. Yeah. So your passion, you were not just playing, you know, your typical high school volleyball. Uh, you get an offer to go on scholarship mm-hmm. to, to Creighton University. Yep. So this is where it's... When did volleyball become oh. such a big part of your life? I mean, were you a little one and you're like, volleyball's it? Mm, no, basketball was it, Yeah, right? Um, I was a basketball girl. Uh, I was I was in the gym with dad. Mom was coaching volleyball, but um, my sister was more of the volleyball girl. It probably wasn't until my sophomore year of high school. And like, truth be told, it's because my shot, my basketball shot was broken. <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't no, be fixed. Jake I no Mose longer, couldn't fix that. I no longer could could make a basket. So um, I just decided to kind of pour my energy into volleyball. And yeah, my mom started. We started going to the gym every day all summer. And they were refinishing the floors. And we would take buckets and set up a net in on the carpet 
in um, kind of the cafeteria. And there we went. So I set thousands of balls. Yeah, and like, your parents yeah. were basketball coaches. So how did they how did they handle this transition where volleyball became your love? Yeah, was so my mom, my mom was actually my high school volleyball coach. Um, but my um, mom was also a all-American college athlete. So basketball, track, like she- Where at now? Mom was a stud, Valley yeah. City State. Okay, Yeah. okay. So um, yeah, so mom at the time, I think was probably just waiting for me to make that transition to volleyball and kind of find that spark. Um, and so I think my, I think my dad was probably slightly disappointed, but um, yeah, but it was still the gym. What was it like playing for your mom? Hmm. You know, you've said some of your most important leadership lessons came hmm. from your parents. Hmm. So a, I want to know, I, obviously I've coached my son in youth sports, so I have an idea of what it is from the parental side, but what is it like from the daughter's side when mom's coaching you? Um, I've always been a, like lots of eye contact with my coaches, like just kind of watching kind of body language feedback. So, I mean, I don't know if that comes from my parent being my coach or just kind of how I am. So like mm -hmm. I catch all of it. Right. So like there's pieces of it that were hard, but it, it, again, all I really ever knew, like my parents coached us in everything growing up and they were always the coaches wherever we lived. And so it's kind of just what you did. So, I mean, I hear a lot of people say um, when their kids get to high school, they transition out of coaching because their kids don't want to play for them. I, th that was just never really an opportunity, right? They were going to be our coaches. And so it probably led to more tough conversations. Mm -hmm. um, like what? Give me I, one example yeah. of a tough conversation <laughs> that you went through. I remember very vividly my junior year of high school. Um, we had a lot of really talented freshmen and we were rated pretty high in the state. And I was coming back off of like a, a good sophomore season playing some, some big club. And, um, I, I dumped the ball a million times during the game and I was a setter, right? So I didn't set my hitters. I attacked multiple times to score. And after the game, I remember my mom just laying into me that like, we won't get any better we won't win when it matters, right? Like these young players, like, and I was like, they, they, they make errors. Like they don't put it in play. Like I scored. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, mom, mom is, is oh, pulling I, you yeah. back in here a little bit. Yeah. And I got my ass chewed. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you handle yeah. that though? Oh, I was mad. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't wrong. Yeah. And I, and I knew that. Right. And I think that was probably the most frustrating part of, of the conversation was I knew she was right. Um, and that was probably right. Like, after having conversations about, right? Like I knew when we'd had conversations about how leaders make the people around them better, mm -hmm. right? Like that is, that is the leader's job. Um, and so I think that that was right. A little bit of a, like she was disappointed, right? That like my job is to do whatever it takes to drag everybody else, right? And, and make them better every step of the way. Yeah. And so that was probably the hardest thing is the disappointment. How long do you think it took you to figure out that she was right. I mean, is that one of those things where you compliant, you went back the next day and said, you know what, man, mom's got a great point. Or is that something when you're 26, you're looking back and say, how smart was she? Uh, I mean, I think I figured it out maybe a little bit um, throughout the season, but I, I was primarily just mad. <laughs> <laughs> little bullheaded yeah, and stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the toughest things you ever had to go through is the great news is you, you end up getting a scholarship to Creighton. But at some point you make a decision, you know, division one volleyball is not for me. 
Walk me through what was going on for you to come through or come to that decision and how difficult that was for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, This is a a big one. And we talk about it a lot in in my house with our kids. Right. Because um, like you don't get to to quit when things are are hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But I did. Um, And and it's a little bit of right. Like life lesson looking back. Um, so going into my junior season, um, I knew they were bringing in another setter and I had started every match of my entire career at Creighton and we'd really kind of turned things around. Like the program was, um, making huge strides. They were five and 23. So Kirsten, Kirsten Booth was, she was, okay. Was that her? uh, I, I was her first recruit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So her, um, first season at Creighton was my freshman year. Yeah. So she was young. Um, 28, um, at the time, right. Big, big D one job. And, um, yeah. So I think we, we both have learned a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and so they brought in another, another setter. Um, we had conversations in the off season about, um, they were going to look kind of at all options and went into the season and I didn't set any balls. Um, and they put me at the libero position from the beginning of the season. And I think more than anything, right. I was, I was 19. Um, like I was frustrated. Um, it wasn't the position I wanted to play. So probably a little bit of, of youth. Um, but I also looking back, right. We we all could have handled it better. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had lots of conversations, my parents, the coaching staff, the administration, um, about kind of where we were and, and we battled through 10 matches in the, in the season, my junior year. And it just, um, I lost a lot of faith and a lot of trust in their communication. And I think they thought that I probably was simply handling it poorly, which I probably was, I was 19. (laughs) Um, so it probably was not a great combination. Um, and I'm not sure from a volleyball perspective, Creighton was probably never a great fit for me. Because um, um ooh, this this is a this is a hard toughie. one. Right. This is a toughie. Um, from my perspective, at the time, um, it wasn't a very blue collar volleyball program, and Nebraska Juniors at its core is just like hardworking, um, gritty like teach the fundamentals, no flash, no fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what I knew volleyball to be, right? Like you just battle and you work hard and it doesn't have to be pretty. And Creighton's volleyball program at the time was kind of like a little prima donna ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not what, how I had ever played. Um, I don't, I don't think that's probably true of the program today, but it's kind of who they were at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just wasn't a great fit. Uh, and I probably would have, had I stayed, I probably would have said the same thing. Um, but volleyball was such a huge part of my life that I couldn't be miserable and quit and let that be the last, like, last experience. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, we just had a lot of conversations middle of the season and it was just not a, it was not a good, healthy situation for the rest of the team. Me, um, again, I had lost a lot of, you know, trust and respect in the coaches and like, that's not fair. Right. So when you look back on this, there are so many lessons to take, right? It's, Mm. you get Mm -hmm. both sides of it because you can look at it as leaders. They probably did some things right in that situation, but they also probably did some things you're like, Hey, as a business owner or a business leader, 
I'm going to make sure not to do that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you learned a lot about yourself. Mm -hmm. Some things you handled well, some things you didn't. Yep. But when you look at, I want, I want to just focus on both sides. Mm -hmm. What did you take away as a pivotal lesson for you that when you get in that role, a business leader or business owner, mm -hmm. of some things you learned from that that you wanted to make sure that you either A, didn't make the same mistake, or B, um, it was just a learning lesson for you to yeah. bring into the business world? Yeah. Um, uh, transparency, communication, yeah. um, huge. Like those are two big takeaways I have. And, and Kirsten and I have had conversations about this, right? Like I'm still very, you know, very intertwined into her world and, and her mind. So her and I have had conversations about the things that, right, could have been different or right, right on both sides. Right. So I think communication and transparency from a leadership perspective would have helped. Um, and from my side, right, um, I think now I, I know exactly why they did what they did, but they should have just told me, yeah. right? I mean, they were bringing in a freshman setter who probably her upside was bigger than mine, right? Six inches bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't hurt right? Either, right? Right, <laughs> so had I known that and had I been walked through kind of, this is our vision for the team long-term and this is why, um, maybe, yeah. maybe it would have been different. Um, I typically tell her and I would, tell Kirsten this, like I probably would have just left earlier, right? I would have left before the season and it would have been um, a better experience and transition for me. And it would have been better for the team, yeah. right? Because me leaving was, it, it was, it was icky yeah. um, for everybody. You know, the reason I spent some time on this is because I work with small businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And transparency is Sometimes it's just hard for business owners, yeah. right? Um, when I go in and I interview employees, probably the number one thing I hear is lack of communication, right? I don't know what's going on. I don't always know what they're thinking. Now you've had some experience, which we all go through, right, in life. We learn this is how we get better. Um, I just think that's such an important point that business owners mm -hmm. oftentimes, why do you think they are reluctant sometimes as business leaders and business owners? And you've been there. Mm -hmm. You've worn that hat. Why is it hard sometimes to be transparent and to communicate at a high level with employees? Um, because I think most of the time those are those are hard conversations mm -hmm. because you're um, being critical or you're giving criticism, even if it's constructive. Um, and that's like that's that's hard to give, partly because it's hard for people to take, right? Yeah. Um, but like I'm a firm believer in like have the hard conversation, right? Um, you know, if you're not happy with your employee and they're probably not super happy in the position if they're not succeeding either. And so like have the hard conversation and like address it head on, right? Um, everybody will be better because of it. It might be painful, but. Yeah, without <laughs> yeah. a doubt. And that's, that is just mm -hmm. the bare bones of mm -hmm. it. But, but here's something that I think you share. I've had the luxury of interviewing now 15 to 18 business owners and business leaders. There is one thread that is constant throughout everyone. And that is their work ethic. The only way you can balance a boutique, Nebraska Juniors, First National Bank of Omaha is you have to have work ethic. And it's a secret that is out there that everyone can have. It's very controllable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So tell me from your perspective the value of work ethic because this is one of your keys and how you balance uh, these three entities. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's huge. Um, I mean, if I instill nothing else in my children, um, I want them to work hard and I want them to be grateful, right? Um, so yeah, I think hard work is, it's definitely something that can be learned. 
Um, but I also think some of it is innate, right? Um, some people just, you know, one of my friends calls it my motor, right? My motor is just, it, it's just on go. Um, so I think that that's part of it. But I definitely think that just over time, right? Mm-hmm. Like seeing, like you can accomplish really, really great things simply by kind of putting your head down and just like working hard. Well, we couldn't do this without the incredible support of Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. They have been around for 139 years, and there's a reason for that. They're locally owned, locally managed, and they are focused on you, their customer. They offer full-service business banking, and I know a lot of you watching today need that full-service business banking, and you're always going to speak to a live human being when you give them a call. They're commercial lenders. They will be happy, thrilled to speak with you, and they will be very helpful. Their expertise across the board, and they're going to help you navigate SBA, TIF, or NEDCO financing. Visit them at www.fmnbforfarmersmerchantsnationalbank.com or give them a call at 402 944 33 one six member FDIC and getting through it. You yeah. have something called, um, Oh golly, I got to quote this, right? Cause this is such a great line. You have something called my figure <laughs> out, uh, uh, thing. Uh, what, what do I want to say? It's not thing. Uh, we call it a skill. <laughs> so where did that come from? How do you think that got instilled in you? Because you cut through problems very quickly mm-hmm. because you can figure S out, right? Yep. Tell me about that a little bit. Oh, that's Where do you think probably, that came from? Um, it's probably a combination of um, both my mom and my dad. They look at problems and attack things super differently. Um, but both um, very quick problem solvers, but dad much more analytical, structured, like going to make a plan. And my mom is just like, a, look at it and dive in. No plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just go. Right. <laughs> So very different. So that's part of it, right? I think that that innate, right? Like learned um, by by watching, and then I, I think that um, law school mm-hmm. really it doesn't teach you to to be a lawyer or you know to to know what you're doing as an attorney day one. It teaches you how to solve problems, mm-hmm. right? Like how to think like a lawyer, right? And so I think that's a huge part of it. Is like I have probably honed that over time, simply. In, in practice as an attorney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this has been a massive week for, I think, women in the state of Nebraska, frankly, women everywhere, because leave it up to sports, right, to set a world record in attendance for a women's athletic event last Wednesday. Um, with Nebraska. And by the way, I shouldn't say last Wednesday on a podcast, because someone might listen to this six months from now and go, what? It was just last Wednesday? <laughs> anyway, yes. um, but... I'm always curious. I mean, you are you are a tough woman. You're a smart woman. And obviously, when you look back to what happened last Wednesday, this is a I, I called my daughter who's down at you know University of Florida. I'm like, this is a great day for women. And most importantly, shows what can be accomplished. But as a woman leader, do you do you believe that there's more of an onus? There's more of a of a, uh, you know, a spotlight on you as a woman leader, or do you feel like you're totally unencumbered? Um, and, and it's just you, I mean, you don't even think in terms of, of that. Yeah, I don't, um, never had a huge chip on my shoulder. Um, like 
based on gender, um, I think you kind of just do what you do, right? No matter what. Now, I do think that, right, there are some impediments, um, but... I, but I think they're all obstacles that we can overcome. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that was evident, right? Like you give women the stage and they will do amazing things. Right. Yeah. Um, it, and by the way, should Creighton have been involved last oh. Wednesday or in, in, the, in the big deal? <laughs> I, I got to ask you this. Normally um, I'd save this for the end. Um, but. I, I don't think there's much benefit to Creighton or Nebraska playing on that stage, right? On a with the elements, right? Yeah, when yeah. it's just not, it's not an actual great volleyball environment. It was a great experience and a great environment for people and right, the stage. Yeah. Um, but from a volleyball wins and losses perspective, um, that wouldn't have been good for either Nebraska or Creighton. Nebraska like, would have not much to gain and yeah. it would be a hard, hard environment for Nebraska or for Creighton to beat Nebraska yeah. in. And so. by the way, I think it's absolutely legitimate when Coach Cook says, look, we could have had a ton of wind. We could have had some really oh, good yeah. weather. And there was a little wind anyway. Mm -hmm. You saw some oh, ball, the ball yes. knuckling a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, times. the flags were a weapon. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think um, it's a compliment to Creighton because you got to win that match. Mm -hmm. You cannot have volleyball day in Nebraska and, and get beat. And I'm not saying that Coach Cook is certainly not afraid of, of getting beat, right. but you can't take you can't. that risk yeah. right on that yep. kind of night. Yep. Not that what did that mean time. to you, though? What did that mean? I talked to someone who played athletics in 1978, didn't get an mm -hmm. opportunity to play volleyball, played about eight basketball games a year, didn't come till her sophomore year. She was in tears when I talked to her the next morning. And I said, why are you crying? She said, because of how far it's come. And she was an amazing, amazing track athlete. Mm -hmm. Would have probably been an all-stater in basketball and volleyball. Yeah. Good size, uh, great athlete. So what did that mean to you? Did it Was it just a volleyball match or did it mean something much bigger than that for you? Oh, yeah. No, super, super cool experience for, um, I think... Um, people who have played at Nebraska and any of those colleges, you know, before to see like, again, how far it's come, right? Yeah. Because like they were the foundation of that. And then I think for me, even cooler for the youth and the people, you know, my daughter who's eight and the club players that we have, you know, 10 through 18, um, super cool for them to see like the possibilities and, I always am a huge, huge proponent of volleyball because I think that it is probably the women's sport that allows females to look the most athletic, mm -hmm. right? B because of how we how we perform, and I mean it's a it's a skill sport, it's a finesse sport, but we also we look athletic doing it. Um, so I I'm a huge, huge, huge fan, right, of giving of giving women that stage because we do we look. We look damn good playing volleyball. Darned right. And I'll tell you, two <laughs> yeah. professional teams yeah. coming to Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, so, so cool. I kind of laugh at that because mm -hmm. I'm like, really? The real professional team, University of Nebraska? Yes. I mean, it's going to be hard to, yeah. to take their stage. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, wow, it's, cool. it's going and, and Omaha is at the heart of it. Why? You know what? That gives me another thought. I'm mm -hmm. bouncing around, Brittany. No. But why Omaha? Why are two, pro is it just the University of Nebraska? Is it the stuff that you're doing with Nebraska juniors and the way that, I mean, it is really ingrained mm -hmm. in the culture of our society in this state. I mean, every young lady I know, you know, seems to really love the game of volleyball. Why are two professional teams looking at Here. Omaha, Nebraska? Yeah, so I think it's the the tradition, right? We have um, some of the best coaches in the country. Nebraska Juniors has been one of the most successful club programs um, in the country. We haven't been as successful in um, recent years, but it's simply because there's been more clubs 
um, that have popped up that are doing really great things. Like there's just more, um, more opportunities for kids, um, which is great. Like that's good for kids. Um, but I do think kind of the longevity of some of our, you know, best coaches in the state. And then our fans are ridiculous. Like people just love volleyball here. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the, the following, right? The just history of good volleyball here. And you've got, right, you've got Wayne State, you've got UNK, um, Doan's been great for years, Midland, um, right? I mean, Shadron State, Hastings was has won some national champions, right? You have this like history across the state of some amazing volleyball programs. Um, and then, um, I, I mean, I know this because I just have some insight into kind of the professional and like U.S. level scene. A huge part of it is cost of living mm -hmm. for the athletes. That's, so that's a huge driver. Yeah, right? never even thought about yep. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you know, cool. here's another thread that you told me when we talk about leadership lessons. You said, "Look, hard work," mm -hmm. and it is at the foundation of every good business leader, business owner. But something else you said to me before we came on, you said, "You know." It's also surrounding yourself with great people. Mm -hmm. And here, again, three entities you're involved in. You can't do this unless you have great people around you. Mm -hmm. But then the question, what is it you look for? How do you know that they are that great person that can help you grow your organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Um Probably people with right similar work ethic, right? Like you know that they're just um, going to be in it mm -hmm. until they figure it out, right? Like it has to be somebody that's just willing to not give up and kind of just go. Um, but it's also right people that are loyal. Um, I think loyalty is huge to me, and that probably is something I've learned from from volleyball and from coaching, right? Um, and then people that kind of have the same value system, mm -hmm. I'd say, right? That like their family is important to them. Um, the way they treat people um, is important to them. So I think it's probably some of, of those same characteristics that shine through in, in all of those things. There's a lot of business owners out there going, this is awesome, this is great, but how do I find that out? Mm -hmm. Especially in today's hiring world where mm -hmm. you can't sit very long mm -hmm. on a candidate how do you peel that onion back even more so to say, all right, values are important, you know, uh, uh, their work ethic, their loyalty, all this. How do you determine that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think word of mouth and talking to people that you trust that um, have connections or that know people. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still you know, firmly believe it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously a little what you know. Um, <laughs> but, but most people can be trained, right? Yeah, 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 they can. I mean, if they have the right skill set, um, you can. Like, you can you can bring them along um, in a lot of cases. So I think, you know, like that work work ethic and that accountability, right, um, is huge, mm -hmm. right? But but you just, you have to ask around. You have to, you have to ask people that you trust for referrals and... Um, yeah, I mean, we talk about that a lot in in work and in business all the time. That right, finding the right people is it's the magic. Right, and I would imagine that is one of the key elements on how you're able to juggle all of this. Mm -hmm. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's another thought I thought when, when we chatted because I've seen you in action. We both live in mm -hmm. Ashland, by the way, and you're an amazing mother. Uh, Chase, great husband, right? <laughs> yeah. I know he's very involved as well. Uh, you can tell him he needs to improve his golf game a little bit, but I know he more to, practice, Chase. Yeah. Oh yeah, That's all he wanted, him. right? Uh -huh. Actually, he's a great golfer, a lot better golfer than me. But you know, one of the things that you've done is you've really incorporated your family right mm -hmm. into this. I'm like, how do you juggle all of this? Mm -hmm. And you're like, look, 
the lessons I learned from my parents and then juggling and bringing your kids in um, is again, was that intentional or was that just out of necessity? Um, intentional, right? Um, I mean, like I said, like if I do nothing else, I want hardworking and grateful children. Yeah. Um, but I think that comes right with like understanding what it takes right? To, to run a business and to pay for a house and to pay for a, right? Like all those things, like they have to, they have to understand that. Um, and I learned those same lessons, right? So, um, and I like, I like spending time with them, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) right? So that's a huge part of it too, is like, um, I want them to enjoy the things I enjoy. Um, but I also want them to find things that they enjoy um, so that we can do those things together too. Um, it just so happens we're lucky that they are, they're sports kids, right? They like to be in the gym. They like to be active. We spend a lot of time outside. So yeah. yeah. You know, so many of the things that you've learned in business that have made you good in business seem to emanate from your history of being in sports. Mm-hmm. And give me one or two things that you say, absolutely, sport gave me this that has helped made me mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. What are one or two values that um, have come from that? Yeah. Um, so I think building rapport, right? Like my people skills um, probably are like straight tied to, to sports, right? And, and primarily because I played mostly team sports, right? I was a basketball, volleyball kid. I played a little bit of tennis, um, in high school simply because I wasn't fast and nobody wanted me to run track. So <laughs> <laughs> you weren't recruited for that. Huh? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, but so building rapport with teammates, right. Um, is 100% transferable to the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's been huge. Um, and then I think like taking constructive criticism, right. Is it's really hard for young people today. Um, and I think sports squarely teach you that skill, right? Yeah. To learn, to take feedback and to, and to take it as a positive, right? Like what, what are you telling me that can make me better, right? Like how can I do it better? Even if I didn't do it poorly, um, what can I change to do it better the next time to be more efficient, to right, make more money, whatever it is, right? Like those are all things that are transferable to yeah. um, owning a business. I had a professor once in college, his name was Wheeler Dixon. And you had to run your draft of your big paper that you had to write at the end of the semester for your class by him. And I took my paper in and he read it for about five minutes. He crumpled it up and he threw it away. And he said, this is terrible. I ended up getting an A on that, but he was absolutely one of my favorite professors. So I got to ask you, Brittany, are we getting older when we say, you know, youth has a hard time taking criticism or do they want it? Do they really want it, but they want it in the right way? Mm. Um, it's probably a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the way we have to communicate to kids today needs to be different, right? Um, but I, in what way? Um, ooh, in what way? Um, How do you think I it's think, different today than I it was? I think when? probably not. Not. Um, I think you still need to be straightforward, right? But probably with more kid gloves, right? Mm-hmm. Like it probably needs to be constructive criticism with a more positive spin, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, I mean, I got yelled at and probably told I was terrible more than once, right? <laughs> and that's not actually what my coach or my teacher or my, right, right meant, but like that's just the way that you communicated um, back when I, you know, was a student and an athlete and what have you. So I think it's, 
just simply delivery mm-hmm. um, that needs to change um, and that has changed. And I, I don't know if that is right a, a product of, um, you know, parenting or, or what it is, right? But it, I know that it's different. Yeah. I once mm-hmm. had a boss tell me, you can say anything you want as long as you say it the right mm-hmm. way, right? Mm-hmm. So as a boss, as a business owner, um, is that it? Is it is the key? Because look, I see kids today. There's a coach that I know very well who's tough. He'll give them, but he gives them a lot of love. And the way he delivers it, oftentimes, is isn't maybe the way we. I got it in the '80s. Mm-hmm. You're quite yep. a bit younger than me, but you know, sometimes we just got it. You know, handed Hard. to us, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Is that the key for a business mm-hmm. owner? It's it's all in delivery. Yep, Take five tone. seconds. What what advice would you give to them? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it needs to be more of a of a, or of a conversation, right? More conversational and like you, your kind of frame of reference when you have those conversations with your employees is like, okay, like how, how can I show you in a way that you're going to understand, right? And and kind of like taking the accountability on you as the leader, as the owner of, okay, like I have to find a way to, you know, message or kind of show you how to do this or, you know, change my tone so that it's a way that you can understand it or, or you're listening, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if my tone isn't, you know, what you want it to be, you simply won't listen. So I think, yeah, I think tone and delivery is probably, um, key and people miss, I think from a leadership perspective, miss on that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. So Boutique. Let's mm. talk about that. We've spent some time on volleyball. You've mm-hmm. got this boutique called Lighthouse Boutique, downtown mm-hmm. Ashland. It's got some golf shirts, it but it's got a lot of other cool things yeah. in there. But again, you talked a little bit about starting to sell some merchandise at volleyball volleyball events. But was this a passion that you had? I mean, in seventh mm-hmm. grade, would you have said, I'm going to own a boutique someday? Mm-hmm. Or did it come up recently and you see it more of a business acumen, you know, where, hey, there's an opportunity here. So, um, probably was a law school, um, a a law school venture, right? So, um, one of my good friends in law school, this was something we talked about, like, you know, when we get done with law school, why would we ever be lawyers, right? Like we'll have all the tools and we'll know how to write problem solve and we can figure anything out. And a lot of lawyers just simply run businesses, right? Um, and so we talked about, a lot of business ventures throughout law school. And so that's kind of where the, the brainchild came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right over the years, I gained experience on the apparel side and the retail side, um, simply from you know my, my volleyball work. But yeah, it was more so, okay, it was always in the back of my mind. Um, and, and a little bit of like, can I do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... There was just, I knew there was a need in Ashland. And so that that's kind of what sparked the, okay, I always had this interest. Can I do it? What the hell? Let's yeah, just do it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was it as much as anything, mm-hmm. that challenge, that internal challenge mm-hmm. to say, I want to see if I can knock this out. Because yeah. boutiques, I mean, there's a lot of them, yeah, right? Yeah, there so are. So you've got to differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with the idea of, this is what, look, there's one thing to say, I'm going to start a mm-hmm. boutique. There's another thing to say, it's a crowded market. I've got to stand out. So here's my vision. How'd you come up with that? And um, what is your vision? By yeah, the way? yeah. So um, it's a it's a little bit of like contemporary women's like staple clothing pieces, like really high quality, 
um, long-lasting kind of pieces you can wear over and over and over again. Um, so we have, you know, lots of kind of jackets, blazers, um, pieces that kind of stand the test of time. Good high quality, lots of great denim. Um, and then also just some like specialty pieces, right, that you can wear to like special events or um, things like that. Sure, but yeah. what gets you to that point? Like mm. I'm always curious mm-hmm. when you sit down yeah. and say, this is what I want it to be. This, mm-hmm. what, this is going to be the what. Yep. But to have that vision and say, this is what I'm going to create, mm-hmm. um, we'll put the clothes in there, but yeah. at that starting point yep. to say, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that for the biggest thing for me was like, what do I want my shopping experience to look like? And like, what would make my life easier? Right. As a, as a working mom in corporate America, um, that was probably the kind of the catalyst, um, was more that piece of kind of what would, what would simplify people's life in my demographic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. A couple more questions mm-hmm. along this line. There are a lot of entrepreneurs out there that, again, they're working a job. They have this idea. They have this boutique idea. They have something. And they want to do it. What advice would you give to them to say, here's how we're going to put this all together? Here, here's how. If I could give you advice from ground or step one mm-hmm. so that you're going to do something on the side, you're going to do something at night, what would that advice be to them? Um, do your homework. <laughs> My first piece of advice would be definitely do your homework and do a lot of research, right? Um, like figure out the numbers, the inner workings, talk to a lot of people that are already successful in the space. Um, I was fortunate that I had a lot of good connections of people that had either like law school friends that have done this, right, that have opened retail stores or other people that I knew. Um, so I had good resources, but use your resources, I would say for sure. Um, and then like figure out what your vision is. Um, and we were pretty clear on that from, from day one, like, you know, like what is the problem you're trying to solve, right? Like what is the gap or, um, the need and, um, then put together a plan that like squarely solves it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing I think is interesting is when you've got, you know, multiple entities that you're involved in. You already talked about Nebraska Juniors mm-hmm. and how it's a kind of a blue collar, bring your lunch pail kind of, of league. Um, and it's about making them as good of people as it is volleyball players. What values go across all three? First mm-hmm. National, Nebraska Juniors, and the Boutique. What values kind of emanate through all three or, or, or run through all three of those? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that, like, I see some, like, simple blue collar in, in all of them, right? Some, like, not flashy, just people that, like, come to work, they work hard. Um, it's not about the, the accolades or the anything, right? It's about kind of simply feeling good about the work you do, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what anyone else thinks. Um, like, that runs true through all of them. It's like, you know, we're going to do this and make it successful, um, because that makes us feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's probably a huge part of it. And then I'd say they all, um, like just really, really good, good, um, solid people, right. Um, in all of those, those organizations, right. That have, you know, faith, family and, um, and hard work kind of at their core. Mm-hmm. And so and that's true of, of all of them also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, you have a fascinating story. <laughs> yeah. You have a busy story. <laughs> you are the ultimate juggler. 
but you've got all the balls in the air and you're doing an awesome job well, with it. And uh, it is just continued success for you. And, and I'm so thrilled that we got you on the show. So uh, well, I appreciate it. Thanks yes. for having me.